Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. We actually have sort of two decision-making systems. We have the intuitive system. This is always on. It's there for making sort of instant judgments on things. And we have the rational system. And the rational system is effectively when people say they're going to think about something. So it's you, you physically have to start thinking about something. So you're aware of the fact that you're thinking about something. I think that some people then overinterpret that and assume, oh, Intuitive is the only thing that matters. System one is the the only way people make decisions. I was even in a, a meeting not too long ago where somebody said, uh, was proposing some solutions to a, a problem. Then they apologized for coming up with a rational solution. You end up teaching the customer how to use, how to get around them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you know that actually this important aspect of the website is hidden under this button, that thing. It doesn't actually make any logical sense. So, Ryan, the other day I was playing golf and I thought of you. Oh, uh, okay. Isn't that w nice? Were you playing golf in such a way that you were like aiming at somebody? Is that what problem? <laughs> no, I got So as I was playing golf, I don't play frequently, but I play enough to, to know what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, so enough to be dangerous. But enough to know how bad you are. That's that's yes, my goal. That's exactly yeah. clear. Yes, enough to be frustrated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was hitting these shots and they were going everywhere. Mm. I thought to myself, stop thinking about it. Yep. Stop thinking about um uh, don't move your head keep this there, put the ball there, do this, do that, do that. Just hit the bloody thing. And then when I did that, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I wonder if that's like the intuitive, I'm rationalizing this too much. So in our book, we talked about the difference between this intuitive system and the rational system. And I was thinking, well, maybe I actually I should be playing golf with my intuitive system more than I should be playing with my rational system. Does that make sense? I mean, there there's an entire field of sports psychologists who are hired as consultants and trainers to work with people like, you know, major league baseball pitchers, for example, specifically to do this, to get these athletes out of their own heads so that they can just intuitively do this job. I, I think that if you are a good golfer, then you are doing most of the things that you need to have a good swing intuitively. You're not thinking about every step of the, of the process. But here's the trick. Nobody is intuitively good at golf the first time they pick up a club. Yes, right? so, that's the key. So, I mean, I, I think this gets back to, to one of the, the things that we enjoy talking about, which is these two systems and how they, they work together and how tasks can be traded off between them. And lest anyone think we're talking just about Sports, there is interesting research, a lot of it done by this guy, Op Dichterhaus, whose name it took me a long time to learn how to say intuitively. Uh, <laughs> but he's a, a psychologist in the Netherlands, 
And he's uh, published a series of studies showing that there are certain types of decisions, not all decisions, but certain types of decisions that appear to be made better intuitively. So in these studies, he'll give people information. So he'll flash like information about a series of apartments. So apartment A is two miles from the city center. And then uh, on the next screen, it'll say apartment C is $1,200 a month, right? So you'll get this information piecemeal and then you'll have several conditions. Some people will then at the end of all of that information have to make that decision immediately. Some people will get to like stop and think about it for a few minutes. And then some people will not be able to make the decision for a few minutes, but then they'll be distracted during that time. So they won't be able to, to rationally process that information. And he finds that people who are in this distracted mode make decisions on average better, a little bit better. Right. And he argues that that's giving the intuitive system time to process this information and put it together without you and your golf swing overthinking it and kind of messing it up with this rational thought. So maybe let's take a step back and let me just explain to people the, just, the layman's view of this. Just I'm conscious that people may not have, have heard of these two systems. So this is Professor Daniel Kahneman and Tversky. I'm not sure if that's... Kahneman got into this after Tversky had passed away. Okay. And what Kahneman talks about and what, what he calls it is system one and system two. What we've called it is intuitive and rational thinking. And this was one of the chapters in the last book and, in fact, the subject of uh, the title of the book, The Intuitive Customer. What Kahneman talks about is the fact that we actually have sort of two decision-making systems. We have the intuitive system. This is always on. It's there for making sort of instant judgments on things. And we have the rational system. And the rational system is effectively when people say they're going to think about something. So it's you, you physically have to start thinking about something so you're aware of the fact that you're thinking about something. And oftentimes these two systems can be in conflict with each other. And from a customer experience perspective, you can hear, and not even from a customer experience perspective, from a general perspective, you can hear when people are using these things because people turn around and say, for the intuitive system, they'd be going, oh, that's obvious, or that's clear, or my gut tells me this, or this is the right thing. And in other words, they're sort of implying that they don't even have to think about it. Where I thought you were going is sometimes you can hear when people are using the rational system because you can hear the gears grinding and <laughs> you know, sparks spitting out of the, their ears and smoke coming out. Yes. Yeah. That, that especially happens to me when it yeah it happens to me when it when there are maths or algebra <laughs> questions that come along. Long yeah. division causes these grinding, horrible screeching noises. Yeah. Yes, no, absolutely. But and the rational side, when people are saying things like, "I need to think about that," so guess what? They're using their thinking. Yeah, or let me sleep on it, or you know, you raise a good point, but or even just using the words things like, "Well, probably." or depending, because that, again, implies that you're thinking about it and giving thought to it. So that's sort of the main headlines of it. The best way I've, I've, I've described it has been, have you ever driven home at night? You drive into your front drive and, and you suddenly think, how did I get home? And you've been driven home by your intuitive system. So the intuitive system can be learnt, but it takes time. So you've driven home and you haven't had to, in quotes, think about it 
because you've learned how to learn how to drive. One thing that I like about that example too is one important part about this intuitive system that's sometimes hard for us to kind of grasp or understand. It's invisible to us. So even though it's part of our mind, even though it is us, we don't have direct access to it. And when it operates, we don't feel it. We don't see it. it we don't think about it. It happens just automatically. I, I sometimes call it the, you know, the pancreas of our minds. Like you, you can't concentrate on your pancreas and make it work better or faster or slower. So when your, your intuitive system is driving you home, it feels disquieting because it feels like some alien force has driven you home and you weren't aware of it. That's what system one is like. And that, that's what this intuitive system is like, where it just happens in the background. And then we can see the outputs of it. We can see you know what, what solutions and evaluations it comes up with, but it, it is very much automatic. And the interesting thing for me is that you can actually be thinking rational system about something else yeah. whilst the intuitive system is driving you. And that's why we do it. Yeah. And the example I love about that is you end up, you're thinking about, I don't know, going to work and suddenly you're driving to work and it's a Saturday and you realize that you shouldn't be driving that's to work. That's exactly it, right? I mean, so the intuitive system is very good at certain things and it's not good at other things. And so if you are not concentrating on what you're doing, then the, then the fact that you're in the car might make system one go, oh, I know what we're supposed to do here. We're driving to work. That's what we do every day. And it's Saturday and now suddenly you're halfway to work going, wait a minute, no, the, the bait shop is in the other direction. What am I doing? So so people don't hear hear me explain this all, all the time. The What's the rational system then? Can you just highlight the differences between the rational system and the intuitive? Sure. I mean, you, you did a, a great job outlining it. The, the rational system is this, this part that's self-aware. It's what we think of when we think of our mind. It's slow in relative terms. It's effortful. So if you get tired thinking about something, that's a sign that you've used your rational or system two part of your mind, because that's the, the part that consumes resources. It's good at making rules and uh, precise calculations. So math is very much a product of system two. Uh, so is poetry. System one is intuitive. It's, it's a parallel processor, which means it can do many things at the same time without kind of a, a reduction in quality. It is fast and automatic. It doesn't consume a lot of resources. And it is not under our direct conscious control. So what we're going to do on this podcast is just talk about some of the sort of things from a custom experience or just life perspective that that where these things play out. Because at the end of the day, what you want your customers to do is to make a decision to buy your product or service. And therefore, at the end of the day, if people are making decisions intuitively, then that's better than customers thinking about it. It doesn't mean thinking's wrong. Um, but um, so, you know, and people know that I love Apple. So if, if an Apple product comes out, I buy it intuitively. I don't have to think about it. In fact, here's an interesting, here's an interesting tale for you. I, we were doing some work with a client up in Washington, D.C., and, you know, I live in Sarasota. So I intuitively, I always just buy from Delta, fly Delta. So got on the website, booked a flight, Sarasota to Atlanta, Atlanta up to Washington, normal. 
met with one of the team who live in Tampa, just up the road from Sarasota. And he said, oh, did you come up by Southwest? And I went, no, I came up by Delta. And he said, oh, well, Southwest fly direct from Tampa to Washington, D.C. And I went, oh, bugger, you know. So um, that that's an example of good news for Delta because I flew with them. Bad news for me because actually I'd have flown Southwest if I'd have known there was a, a single leg that I could have jumped on. Well, I mean, you, you got to fly through Atlanta, so that's not nothing. I know it. I I love Hartsfield. It's just my, the best place ever. Yeah, I thought to myself, yeah, that's a classic example of Delta have got me locked in there, basically. That is a great example. Another great example, Colin has actually ordered another Apple product intuitively during the time we were recording this podcast. And he wasn't even aware. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I was thinking about in preparing for today. And I was thinking about the fact that actually come September, I'm going to buy the new phone from Apple. Of course you are. Okay. But I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not going to consider any other phone. (laughs) No. I don't know if that's just blind loyalty or stupidity or what. We joke about it, but it it is the result of many years of of trust and good experience and all the things that we talk about on on this podcast. Right? And and wouldn't it be great? And part of the reason that you you push for the the title of the book, the intuitive customer, and the title of the podcast is you know from a customer management perspective, wouldn't it be great for you if all of your customers were like Colin is a customer to Apple, right? You're just starting from this intuitive place of trust, of positive expectations, of good evaluations, because your intuitive system has learned that that is the appropriate response uh, based on lots of, of previous experience. Let's talk about how you get there, okay? Because this is an interesting topic. So I was thinking to myself, okay, so rational system means I'm having to think about it. So I don't know, we, we've just had some landscaping done and we went through the classic stuff of you get in three quotes, you brief different people, you you think about who you're going to get and there's different things happening there, extremeness aversion and various different things that are happening. Catalogs and catalogs of lawn gnomes, yeah. Let's take up references, blah, 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 blah. So that clearly is a rational choice. But you start to think about flying with Delta or by an Apple or doing anything intuitively, golf, or I'm actually learning how to play the guitar at the moment. And you start to go, uh, well, hold on, how do I get it to the intuitive point? And I started thinking, well, it's got to do with frequency. So if you just took me learning to play the guitar, if I clearly did that once every six months, it's never going to become an intuitive process. I'm never just going to be able to play, in quotes, naturally. So there's there's something about frequency. There's something about repetition. I've got to repeat that process and repeat the scales or the song or whatever I'm playing. And there's also got to be something around purpose. In other words, why am I doing this? So I'm driving a car because I want to get from A to B quickly. And these are intuitive processes for me. I'm typing because I want to be able to use a computer and that's the most efficient way at the moment of doing things. So there's got to be some reason to to learn to do it as well. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I love that we're talking about this because I think it's it's so useful, mostly because of, of Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. A lot of people are familiar with the idea of system one and system two at this point, intuitive and rational systems. And a lot of people are excited about it. And a lot of people, in my opinion, get completely stuck at that point. They don't know what to do it, or increasingly they use these concepts incorrectly. So let's dig in and, and try to make this practical for people. Let's talk about it in, in two different ways. One way of thinking about it is there are both rational and intuitive influences on any process, right? So going back to your example of choosing a landscaper, you described a very rational process that I would argue still had lots of intuitive influences on it. Right. So the fact that one of the landscapers really looked you right in the eye and gave you a firm handshake may have had an intuitive influence on your choosing that landscaper over another, even if the overall process was rational. The second way of thinking about it is uh, is part of what you described with your Delta example, which is an intuitive decision or a decision that is primarily uh, characterized by being mostly intuitive or mostly rational. And I think that those are, are, are two useful ways of, of looking at this. So can we characterize the entire process as being mostly rational or mostly intuitive? And then what can we do about it? And then within either of those things, can we look at what are the intuitive influences on a rational, mostly rational process, or what are the rational influences on a mostly intuitive decision? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because one of the things that I've, I've started noticing is that People have taken this science about, oh, people have two systems. And because the intuitive system, system one, is kind of the news part of that, like, oh, people are not always rational. I think that some people then overinterpret that and assume, oh, intuitive is the only thing that matters. System one is the, the only way people make decisions. I was even in a, a meeting not too long ago where somebody said, uh, was proposing some solutions to a, a problem. Then they apologized for coming up with a rational solution. So they said, oh, well, we could convince clients that such and such. And they go, oh, I mean, I guess that's kind of a, a rational approach to, to doing this, so maybe not. That's wrong. That's not correct. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. So being rational is not wrong. No, exactly. But I guess the reality is it, is it has some drawbacks, doesn't it? If I'm being rational about it, then I am considering other options. Whereas if it's intuitive, I'm not considering other options. So yeah, so if we characterize an overall decision process or action as being mostly intuitive, you know, so you know, your, your example of, of buying an airline ticket, I agree. I think that that is a mostly intuitive process. So you automatically go to delta.com to buy airline tickets and you don't even kind of think about that process. Within the Delta website, you are still making some rational choices and trade-offs. And then likewise, you know, your, your rational decision of choosing a landscaper. There were certain design elements that just intuitively resonated with you and, and led you to feel good about uh, one thing or another. 
Let's talk about the Delta one. Let's just focus in on the Delta one because I think there's some interesting things there. So part of that is frequency. So, so the, your question about how, sorry, I, I kind of led us astray with my my soapbox rant. I feel very strongly no, about it. No, no. Um, <laughs> I would pound the table, but I know that messes up the audio. Um, yeah, so let's go back to your question, which is a really good one, which is how did that become an intuitive decision for you? So part of it is frequency, okay? Yeah, the fact that you buy airline tickets a lot. Yeah, um, and part of that is about Whichever the organization that I was dealing with, I had got to some level of trust or acceptance of their experience. So, yeah, so either it had passed my criteria before and I'd laid down it and made a rational decision about, you know, what I should do and why I should do it, or over a period of time, it's it's passed my tests, whatever that may be, to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, so look at it from this perspective, from a developmental psychology perspective, from an evolutionary perspective, our mind is looking to automate as much as it can. So in other words, it's looking to switch system two rational processes, decisions over to system one automatic processes and decisions. You never decided that you wanted to make driving a car automatic for you, but you did it a lot. And so as you do things more and more, system one starts to learn how to take over certain processes like that. So if you are buying airline tickets a lot, system one is automatically looking for ways to make that streamlined, easier, automatic. I think the important thing to mention here is it's really important from an evolutionary perspective because it takes less energy. So the whole bit about being easy or frictionless or whatever is about saving energy. And saving energy is important because from an evolutionary perspective, getting energy, finding food, sustenance, et cetera, et cetera, was was difficult. And therefore, we tried to automate those things. So that, that for me is an important insight to why customers want things that are easy. Very well said. Because they don't want to spend energy on it. No, very well said. And, and along with that, as we mentioned, system two, or this rational system, can only do kind of one thing at a time. So the more things we automate and shift over to system one, that frees up system two to do other things. So now you can think deep philosophical thoughts as you're driving your car instead of concentrating on just driving your car. I'm sure that's how you use your time behind the wheel. It is, yes. I often think deep philosophical thoughts. How does this automate? When you were going to Delta.com and presumably maybe other websites as well, when you were first starting to book a lot of airline travel yourself, at some point you realized that you were having a good experience with the Delta interface and that you were getting benefits from that. And so you're making these kind of rational and intuitive judgments about the website and developed a level of trust and comfort to the point where system one started to, to realize, oh, we're using this website more than others. We're using this system for booking airline travel. And you just started transitioning those decisions over to system one over time, because as you mentioned, they're repetitive, they saved you time and, and effort. And so it just, it became intuitive, automatic for those reasons. And I think the interesting thing is that the little quirks that each organization has either on their website or in their processes or whatever, you end up teaching the customer 
how to use how to get around them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you know that actually this important aspect of the website is hidden under this button at that thing. It doesn't actually make any logical sense. But again, you invested time in discovering that one day. So it's a bit like going to back to the Apple stuff. Where is the setting for changing date and time or something like that? You know exactly where it is. Now, it's not necessarily um, natural for finding that out, but actually you found it out. And because you've done it a lot and you've repeated it a lot, you've now learned it's there. I mean, you know, we can even use Delta as an example. A few months ago, Delta redesigned their interface for booking travel on their website. And I, I have no doubt that for people who were using the interface for the first time, it was an improvement. But I can tell you, for me, who'd been booking with Delta for a long time, they made certain things that I used to do all the time with one click, now something that requires multiple clicks and me having to rearrange things. And it, it's made the experience worse for me because I had gotten used to the quirks of the system before. And another classic example of that is um, uh, Lorraine, my, my wife, always goes to the same grocery store to buy, buy food and stuff. And she hates it when they change the store around. There are two Walmarts <laughs> roughly equidistant from my house. And sometimes I go to one and sometimes I go to the other. And they have just slightly different layouts. And once you're inside a Walmart, it's like you're inside another dimension. Like you lose all, all touch with reality or time. And so I, I can never remember once I'm inside which store I'm in. And so I'll walk to one corner of the store and then realize I'm now 2.5 miles from the office supplies because at this store, they're located in the opposite corner. Yeah. It, it, so here's the interesting thing. Uh, Lorraine goes to, well, we go to Publix. And uh, same as you, there's uh, a Publix two miles away and there's a Publix one and a half miles away. We don't <laughs> like the one that's like two miles away. And we only like the one that we go to one and a half. They're clearly selling the same product. And it's not necessarily to do with the service levels, because I think the service level, it's just that we're so used to the one that we've always, in quotes, been to, and we know where everything is, and it's just quicker. I think it points to the importance of these intuitive evaluations. You know, I mean, the intuitive system is the one that tells you, oh, the jam is in the wrong aisle here. <laughs> it should be two aisles over. And those intuitive differences matter, you know, and, and so one Publix is in fact better for you because you've become accustomed to it and be, because of whatever small little idiosyncrasies your automatic system has uh, accommodated and now prefers. try and pull this together and let's ask our normal question of so what what does this mean that people should do so interesting conversation but what does it mean people should do sure i will do my fist pounding rant again <laughs> if you are excited about two system processes and system one and system two and the rational and the intuitive we wish you godspeed but don't think that it's all intuitive that's not correct the news, the science, is that people have these two systems and they interact. They both matter. Now, there are certain circumstances where one matters more than the other. But if you find yourself like 
retreating from any kind of rational appeal to your customer because now the new story is that people are all intuitive. That's not true. You should make plans for both. You should try to understand both. And you should try to understand in this particular setting, is it going to be relatively more important to appeal to the intuitive or relatively more important to appeal to the rational? But it is not just all intuitive. No, I would totally agree with that. The things that I would add to that is, you know, ideally you you want people to make uh, automatic intuitive decisions to you. By definition, they're going to have to go through that rational part with you first. And therefore, there are going to be occasions or there are going to be products or services that will never be intuitive. So uh, go back to our landscapers. We're not going to have a landscape around every six weeks. (laughs) We keep repetitively making these landscaping decisions, and now I just automatically... Absolutely. Anytime I want to tear up my entire yard, I just automatically go to this guy. That's right. And so therefore, you may be in a business where this is not appropriate. But if you've got something where you're dealing with a customer frequently, if they're repetitive tasks, if those things, you absolutely, for me, should be going, how can I start to make this easier for the customer to make it more of an intuitive decision because then they're not comparing me well should i fly delta should i fly southwest should i fly united whatever it may be they're automatically making that choice and you know what can you do to help educate the customer and recognize that if you've got an experience that is frequently used and repetition and everything else you've got a group of people that you've trained effectively on how to deal with you. And if you suddenly change things, then that can cause issues as well. And again, you have to manage those things. So I hope this has been of uh, use here today. It would really help Ryan and I if you could go and do a review on wherever you've downloaded this podcast from. It's always great to get some customer feedback, but it does help us as well get the message out there further. So thanks very much if you can do that. And thanks very much for joining us today. Much appreciated. Talk to you next week. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.